Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hard to believe. Five years ago tomorrow, marijuana became legal in this country. Remember that? Remember? Back in the day, <laughs> some of the debates, some of the questions, some of the concerns that were raised, all legit, right? As part of the legalization process, and in an effort to answer uh, many of those questions that were being asked and concerns that were being raised by a long, long list of people, too. There was, I mean, there was industry, law enforcement, healthcare groups, uh, people who wanted to get into the cannabis industry, all of them had, you know, well, what's this going to look like? How's it going to work? The government said, as part of the legislation, what we'll do is within three years, we'll come back with a full report. We'll take a look at the act, what worked, what didn't, what needs to be changed, what are the problems, what are the, you know, uh, we'll we'll do a full review within three years. Well, it's been five, and there is still no report. There's an initial report that was released last week, but the actual final report still not due until sometime next spring. It's still months away. Um, For industry insiders, of course, it's already been way too long, and there are things that they think need to be done now or should have been done two years ago or even earlier uh, in order to make the industry as successful as it possibly can be. So let's find out what's gone on with this report and uh, what's happened in the meantime. We're going to be speaking now with uh, George Smitherman, Somebody we've spoken to before on the show. He is the president and CEO of Cannabis Council of Canada. George, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good morning to you. Um, Okay, so this new date, next March, we're supposed to get the final report here. There are some suggestions already, though, that it's not going to be ready in time. We're not going to see the final report next March. I mean, what do you think? Are Are you anticipating we'll ever see a final report on this, or what are you thinking? Well, the thing about it is that the report in itself is not an action plan. So even when we do get a final report, so to speak, we still need government departments and agencies to wish to act on it. So uh, in a sense, uh, the interim report at least highlighted some of the concerns that are out there. And we're going to Ottawa right now as an industry for the next few days to have a lot of meetings and try and bang away on raising awareness about just how tough it is out there after five years of legalization. Now, as we say, there was an initial report that's been released. Um, you've been involved in this consultation process, right? You've been sort of one of the, that, that's what it is. We're going to consult and then we're going to report back. You've been part of that, correct? That's right. Yeah, I've had uh, several different opportunities, and our association coordinated responses from many, many, many of the licensed producers across the country. What's the process been like? Have you been pleased with that? Has that at least gone okay? The thing is that it's, I'm sure it's very well intended, but it started a year late. So in a third sense, we were already pretty deep in the count, considering that there was a lot of evidence of the challenges. Uh, we're working with a group that is called an expert panel, but none of them started with very much expertise in the cannabis space. So it's been a process of trying to get them better informed. But I would, you know, I would give it good marks in terms of the accessibility that they've offered. And even already, there's a consultation planned to respond to the report that came out just a week ago or so. So it is one avenue for us to get our points across, but we have to keep in mind at all times, it's not the fast 
vote for action in any event. We have to press for more urgent action. Okay, so George, uh, let me just play devil's advocate here. Who cares? What do we need this report for anyway? I mean, what what are we missing because we haven't actually done this work? Well, in a sense, what we're missing is that at about the five-year part, we've got quite a bit of the illicit market still supplying cannabis to consumers in Canada. So we've got a good bit of unfinished business, I would say. We see an opportunity to work with governments to grow the pie and get much more of the cannabis consumers' purchases coming out of the legal realm, which has advantages from the standpoint of uh, health and safety and the like, not to mention the economics. So, uh, you know, these are the things that motivate motivate us to fulfill the objectives of legalization, which includes eliminating the illicit market, getting more consumers to consume products that have been safely tested. And of course, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but there was about $45 billion of investor money uh, put out over the first three years of legalization to build 3,500 stores across the country, not to mention hundreds of producers. So there's a fair bit of uh, investor fatigue, let's say, honestly, where a regulated sector after five years is pretty much incapable of incapable of being cash flow positive. That's not a very good look for a regulated environment. Alcohol and tobacco don't have any difficulty paying their taxes and still being profitable, but our sector is not demonstrating that capability so far and that's that you know that's that that's not as was set out. So we've got work to do. Is that a I mean and like you say it's a regulated market, so it's not like opening up a convenience store and competing with other convenience stores. There's a lot of government um, red tape that you have to get through just to be in the this um, playing field, but um, is that an issue of the government? Can they fix it? Are there regulatory barriers that are making it, you know, really hard for people in this industry to actually make a profit? Well, we have a bunch of extra taxes that are applied to it. Let me tell you two quick examples. The cannabis industry has a special tax of 2.3% that Health Canada charges on all of our recreational cannabis sales. That produces $75 million a year. No other industry faces that. So that stands out as one example. That's $75 million off the bottom line that would mean a lot. A second example is not a, is a regulation where our products in the edibles format are limited to 10 milligram, but much of the cannabis-consuming edible community is looking for something higher, and we've been artificially restricted to this level. That's conceding hundreds of millions of dollars a year of business to the illicit market, and that's tax revenue that's being missed as well. So that's an example of a policy adjustment that actually would put more money into the pockets of government and mean that more cannabis consumers were consuming edible products that have been properly tested and prepared. So some of the examples that we seek to offer for change are not ones that cost the government, but would in fact improve their economic circumstances and help us to fulfill the objectives of legalization. You mentioned public health and health care and the the tax that's there. Um, I have seen some reports where there's been more um, medical intervention. There's more people seeking medical attention because of cannabis than there was before. What do you chalk that up to? What do you think's going on there? Well, 
Well, firstly, I read those headlines, too, and then I read the story, and I looked at the data, and it said words like very minor uptick, et yeah. cetera. So I do, think it's, I do think it's obviously the case that when you have more people consuming cannabis in a legal environment and there's a lot more research into it, we are going to be more aware about any of the effects associated with, uh, with cannabis. But I think, actually, if you look at all of what was predicted with the sky is going to fall in full mm-hmm. part X, Y, or Z. Largely speaking, after five years, we don't see evidence of that. We don't see evidence of public disorder. We don't see evidence of youth uptake increasing. We don't see evidence of uh, tr- of, dr- of significant problems around driver-related incidents, etc. And I think that overall, even that report, which I think might have come out of the Canadian Medical Association, which has not been a big fan of uh, legalization, to say it bluntly, uh, that was a fairly muted report. And so I, I just I think that we need to continue to look for research to try and make sure that if there are activities that are contributing to poor health outcomes, that we try to avoid those. And just to make one point about that, 70 percent of all the cannabis consumed is in the dry, fo- dry flower form for joints or pre-rolls. There's many healthier ways for the THC-seeking consumer to get their cannabis, and edibles is one example that I already spoke mm-hmm. about. We're, we're quite restricted in terms of being able to con- encourage the cannabis consumer to look at healthier options, and we've been pressing the government to be more active in this space because we think there's a lot of opportunity for harm reduction. I'm an example of this. I'm almost 60. I'm a cannabis consumer, and really, I should I should be having some public health encouragement to move me along the cannabis food chain so that I'm actually maybe getting my THC in healthier forms than smoking it. So there are definitely opportunities for us to work together to make for a healthier cannabis consuming population. You touched on this earlier, but I think it's important. Um, The review is part of the problem here. We need to get the report and get that done. But like you say, that doesn't mean that the problems you've cited and the fixes that you recommend will be done at the same time. Government, you know, and we know how slowly it moves. So this report is really just the first step. How far out do you think we are from actually making some meaningful changes? You know, how many years after we legalized are we going to do the kind of tweaks that we thought we'd do within three years? Like I, I mentioned the urgency before, the way that I try to express it to people in my uh, sector, in my industry, is you can't consider uh, Ottawa as a one-lane one town. You've got to view it as a multi-lane highway. So, yes, we're working with the expert panel and trying to influence what they say in their review. But we're putting a very big focus on with finance departments, not just in Ottawa, but with all of the provincial and territorial finance departments. In Alberta, of course, it's not finance anymore, but service Alberta. Minister that's running the cannabis, uh, uh, the AGLC. So in that case in Alberta, that's an example of a key relationship where we're working hard to brief those provincial and territorial folks as well because they're really important partners in the administration of the whole excise uh, formula. So we can't wait for the review. We have to create uh, the conditions for change, and that's part of why we're going up as a group to Ottawa to have a bunch of delegation meetings and to try and encourage action, which is on a more urgent time frame than what the expert panel is working on. Are these outside of the consultation process that's been ongoing? This is added pressure, or is this just part of, or is the consultation process wrapped up? If we've got an initial report, I mean, where are we in terms of what the government's actually doing? 
Well, it's got to be about added pressure okay. because we recognize right from the get-go that expert panel is going to produce a report. There's no obligation for action, and that's going to take a long time. Yeah. So we we appreciate that they have elevated a lot the voice of the sector from the standpoint of how problematic a lot of the economic challenges are. So we are glad that they're helping to elevate awareness of that. And meantime, as I say, we're working other lanes, other channels, uh, because uh, urgency is what's uh, urgency is what we really need to bring to bear. Eighty percent of the cannabis companies, after five years, are not cash flow positive. I mentioned before all the investment that's been put out there. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure yeah. on, obviously, and operations have emerged in so many distinct parts of Canada. It's a very great thing that's been created with small, medium, and large producers in all regions and parts of the country. I'm in a fight with those producers to hang on to what they've invested in the hope that we continue to have a Canadian cannabis mosaic, if you will, that really is small, medium, and large players in all of the regions, rather than just seeing a few smaller players hang on and starve everybody else out. That's not, not a smaller number of large players, I should have said, waiting around and starving every uh, others out. That's not the vision that Canada had for its cannabis industry. They wanted to have small, medium, and large players. We have that, hundreds of them. I'm in a fight to help as many of them uh, 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 hang on for the longer term. Are they getting to the point where it's getting really hard to hang on, George? Are you seeing some drop off? We're well past that yeah, point. The, yeah. the, sadly, sadly, I'm in an industry association where in the last two or three months had at least five or six companies seek CCAA protection, and they don't all come back from it. And when you look at the list of the creditors, it's, you know, Heartbreak City. So because so frequently it's the ma and pa operations and families, and you imagine second mortgages and a whole bunch of other things that are implicated. So it's a cannabis industry not for the faint of uh, heart. It's got a lot of emotional challenge associated with it because it's pretty hard to sustain yourself when you can't uh, have a you know financially sustainable business obviously yeah no kidding it's it's not good george thank you so much for your time as always i really appreciate it anytime for you